Alrighty, it is March 9th. This is the PFF forecast. We've got some fun stuff. We're going to talk, uh, we have to do a little bit on the potential trade between networks, the Chargers logo, some free agency stuff, some Brady, some Dak, some really interesting questions there. And then we had mock that came out and we're going to go over it. We're going to tell you all of the picks and we're going to talk about probably five to six of the most interesting questions. You ready to rock? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. NBC, ESPN. They traded a long time ago. Was that was it? Oh five. Oh six is when they okay. Madden and Michael started doing Sunday Night Football for NBC. Yep. So back in in uh, was it fifteen years ago now? They sw- basically traded Al Michaels to NBC. Got a bunch yeah. of random stuff back. It was like Disney characters, right? <laughs> I, I'm not even he was kidding. worth every penny. I think worth it was like every, Roger Rabbit yeah, or something. It was like Bugs Bunny or something <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Uh, a great trade for NBC. Obviously, they get they have the whole Sunday Night Football thing that is the most watched show on television. Our boss, the color commentator for it. Yep. Now there's this rumor yep. that they're trying to trade back. They're trying to trade for Al Michaels yep. and bring in Peyton Manning. I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for ESPN to do it because like you know Monday Night Football was the iconic game every single week and I think back when it was like what uh, Gifford and Deardorff and Michaels it was the broadcast and then eventually not to like poo-poo anything but eventually went to like Dennis Miller right it, uh it Who went was it right after Tony them? well it was, it was Dennis Miller and Boomer and some combination of those guys wasn't it like Mike Patrick or something? No, Mike Patrick was Sunday Night Football on ESPN That's prior, right. to when, prior to when NBC got it. And then, and then yeah, Michael, Michaels and, and Madden made Sunday Night Football what it, you know, kind of put the runway for what it is now, which is the best, I think, football broadcast with uh, Chris, and, Chris and Al. And, like, I think Monday Night Football is one of those where we, the broadcast booth has gotten progressively worse. I mean, when you like look at Mike Tirico is quite good, but then he, he was sort of saddled with Tony Kornheiser, and I can't remember who else was with him. And so then, and then Gruden was a little was bit Theisman? Th- Theisman yeah, before? it was Theisman. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, Joe Theisman was a little rough. Okay, here are the things. So I know nothing. We should state that we know nothing. We don't know anything. We have right. not talked to, we don't have any sort of inside information but i thought it was worth having this conversation to illuminate some of the things that are behind the scenes that are publicly available that people don't generally know one of them is that friend of the podcast fred gadelli the producer of sunday night football to me is the kind of hidden piece here because when he went when when michaels went to nbc fred went yeah right they they've worked together and i would anticipate we'll continue working together. And if you w- want to listen back to our podcast when we had Gadelli on, he had a he talked uh, in great length about how Sunday Night Football was sort of a good beat for him, right? Because he wanted Sunday Night Baseball instead of you know Sunday Night Football, and then he was he did right, and he sort of got fell into this NBC thing where he you know Sunday Night Football, where he's now like the you know the producer of the the yeah, most he, watched television show on. He on, originally yeah. wanted to do baseball, and someone was like, "Hey, yeah. man, you should uh, think about this football thing." Yeah. What do, you, what do you think it does? I mean, from my perspective, obviously, you know, Chris and Al work so well together that it would be a shame if they were separated. But there is like a there is this sort of thing we talked about this with defense last week. There is sort of a thing of like you have one you know really good broadcast crew, and then on Monday night you've kind of had something that's lagged oh, lagged behind a little bit. Sort of if you spread the wealth a little bit, would you, you know, it'd be interesting. Okay. So I I don't disagree with you. I would hate to see it happen. Yeah. But uh, so I'm going to continue laying out the the facts here that I think people should consider. So Fred is fact number one. Um, Michaels and Fred have, uh, Al and Fred have worked together for a very long time. And um, that should not be forgotten. The second thing is the current slate. So Monday Night Football has gotten a poor slate. But part of that, now they could change it, right? So they could go into the scheduling next year and go, we're going to give them a bunch of good games because we have Peyton Manning and, and Al Michaels and the whole crew. But the Super Bowls, they can't change. And the Super Bowl in Los Angeles is coming up, and guess who has it? NBC. NBC. And yeah. guess who is probably the biggest Los Angeles homer in all of humanity? Yeah, Al. Al Michaels. L.A. Kings season ticket holder, if I'm not mistaken. He, 
this is bold to say, I think he likes Southern California and Los Angeles more than I do. I legitimately, it might, it's a close, it's a you, very you, battle. You, like, have complained about the traffic. Al, that's like, Al won't even go that far. Al doesn't deal with the traffic. <laughs> Al doesn't have to deal with traffic. Um, that's something to consider. The third thing I have here to consider is Mike Tirico, who is very good as a play-by-play yeah. guy and is an NBC, uh, under contract with NBC. And I think that should be considered. I, I think that that's sort of where, if NBC even considers this, I think that the fact that Tariko exists in, in their space is probably the reason why. The only tricky thing is how is that he's also very good at Notre Dame football, right? And and there and I don't think he can do both. Like that's just mm-hmm. a too difficult of a of a situation. So similarly, the the producer of Notre Dame, friend of ours, Rob Highland, who's very very good, yeah. would be the guy that. Currently does NBC, uh, NBC Notre Dame and would likely move on. Yeah. I think that's another fact worth considering. And the last fact that I have here is Tony Romo re-signed with CBS for, was it $18 million a year? Can you imagine Peyton Manning taking less than Tony no, Romo? No, in any walk of life. No, there's no shot. Yeah. So I, I just think that's interesting because ESPN – I'm not sure offered Tony Romo that much money. Yeah, well, that and, and that's the tricky thing. And the the other question is, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that that will happen. Like, if they don't, if they weren't willing to give Romo what he got from from CBS, and they try to, and the only reason would be that Manning is just a, just likes football is that much and would take less money. But I don't see him as that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, so it's all all interesting, all deadly. I just really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, it, 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 I no, like Alan Chris too much. Well, and the other thing is Sunday Night Football has built it up so much. It'd be it's going to be difficult for that phase shift to happen. It, it didn't take. It took a long time before Sunday Night Football overtook Monday Night Football. Even after Monday Night Football went from broadcast to cable, and John Madden, the most legend, you know, the most yeah. legendary broadcaster in NFL history, probably until he left. Moving, It still took a while for that transition to phase out. Here's an interesting question to end this on. Is Peyton Manning the number one guy that you would actually want to hear call a game? That isn't already calling a game? No, no, period. No. I mean, okay. uh, is that he isn't number- already. Like- okay, now is he the number one guy that isn't already on there? Uh, I mean, it's hard because you don't get like these, you don't get, but like, is would he be all that much better than like Nate Burleson, who's who's very like who does a pretty good job already? Would he be all that much better? I think he would be. Okay, I mean we don't have. I mean all I we think have the stories he could tell. Yeah, the way that he could connect with the uh, the quarterbacks and coaches of yeah. the teams would be really valuable. And the way that if he was as quick witted in the booth as he was on the field. To me, that would add quite a bit because that's what separates Chris is Chris sees things. And honestly, Fred is the best what he does because they see things before anyone else does. And they take chances. And they give you the replay. They take chances. Absolutely. And that's something. So the the issue I've always had with that was interesting about Manning was that in in the public eye, he almost never took chances. Sort of his like commercials and things like that were like kind of corny and goofy, but not like. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I I do think he'd be very good. I struggle to say, though, without thinking about it deeply, like that he'd be the best. I think he would be. I don't see anyone. Phil Rivers would be good, but Manning, probably better. Okay. Uh, Real quick, Chargers logo. Everyone hates it. Do you hate it? Well, it's the Rams. Oh, sorry, the Rams. Like, no, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, that's that tells you all that you need that, to know about it. <laughs> it actually looks shockingly like a Chargers yeah, logo. Yeah. Uh, wow, yeah. I wrote down L.A. and said Chargers. Well, that like the mullet thing, thing that it had, right, looked like a bolt. That's true. Yeah. That's what it is. So, okay, so it's a bad logo because I, in my mind, said connoted Chargers with it instead of. Imagine Rams. if the White How Sox. Imagine if the White Sox changed their uniforms to be like royal blue yeah. and red, and you're like. Hey, how's the Cubs uniform? Like, like that would be so bad. Like somehow had like a bear paw on it or something. I hope. I hope it's legitimately one of those. Do you remember when the Chargers moved to LA and they gave out that really crappy they logo? They tested the waters that, yeah. that looked like like the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto the Toronto Maple Leafs like had a love child, and then like we never saw it again. Like I hope that's where this because the thing is the Rams have choices. 
they could go all, and they kind of did this for the last couple of years. They could go all the way back to the white and like dark blue, which or, which is the smart thing to do. This is yeah. like the nostalgia age. Yeah. You should absolutely go back. And, to that, that. and those are the, the the second worst. the The ones that they wore when they won their Super Bowl are their best, and they went away from them immediately after, and it just got progressively worse. The gold was like horrible. Yep, I'd agree. I they think should they go should, back to their old uniform. You should go back. The, their logo, their new logo, reminded me of this. This is the one note I have on this. I saw the logo, and I thought back to when I was creating a franchise in Madden at age, like, eight or nine. Yeah. And you'd go through the logos and be like, ah, uh, that looks super generic and shitty. And that's what that reminds me of. So I'm not saying I hate it as much as everyone else does, but it does remind me of something you could create in Madden. All right, we're going to talk free agents. We have three big questions here. The first question uh, that I have is this. I was thinking a lot about the Brady thing. I listened and read a lot of different stuff on it. I listened to Peter King talk about it a little bit. And what I keep coming back to when I think about what motivates Brady is that he has always put winning first. He has kind of gotten it, right? If I win a Super Bowl, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, where is the best place for him to win a Super Bowl? Say he plays two more years. Uh, well, if this was available to him, I would say the Dallas Cowboys. I'd agree with you. I mean, because the, the, the Dallas is perfect because he's going to get a great – look. so if he goes there, he's also smart. He also can look and see, oh, Dallas is first in yards per play, top ten yards per play allowed – He's going to get a great deal of the credit just for the actual like statistical regression that the Cowboys are going to net by having a new head coach and like literally the, going from the most unlucky season in the world to even median luck, right? Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at a baseline of like 10 wins already with Dak at quarterback. And so he sees that. He's like, okay, well, Dak's a good quarterback, but he's not as good as me. I can go in there and give you another win or two. Now we're talking 12 wins in a kind of a crappy NFC East and then, okay, and then in an NFC where, like, if I look at the landscape of quarterbacks, I'm looking at Jimmy G, I'm looking at Goff. Wilson's very good, but that team isn't very good around him. NFC North, Rodgers isn't as good as Brady. Cousins isn't as good as Brady. Breeze, you know, he might be at the end of the end of his road, right? The Falcons are the Falcons, right? He looks I around agree. that and he's like, okay, this this is a clear path. You know, if you look at the AFC, the AFC is far more replete with good quarterbacks. So I think you cut it in half and then you look, okay, among those teams, I know you don't want to hear San Francisco, and I agree it's, it's a pie-in-the-sky sort of idea. Dallas is far more, I think, plausible and palpable. I think Dallas makes more sense for a couple of reasons. Their offensive structure with McCarthy there makes a lot more sense. Their uh, division is similar to the division that Brady has always played in, which is a total dumpster fire aside from the team he's played on. Whereas if you, if you were to go to the Niners, the scheme fit isn't nearly as good, but secondarily, you're legitimately competing with great teams and great quarterbacks. I mean, great team from season to season, right? Like So the, the Rams could very well have another year where everyone's healthy and they're very good. The Cardinals could legitimately be good because Kyler Murray took that team from terrible to decent last year. And if they take again, they it's drafted. a much harder position. It's a much harder position in the NFC West. I mean, you're only going to the NFC West as sort of a spiteful, uh, nostalgic being a 49ers fan growing up. Kind of, I don't think he and Jimmy G didn't get along, but sort of one of those like Rogers Favre relationships where like, you know, well you're you're going to compete with a guy that wants your job. That's just like how it works. Yeah. So then the other and then the other thing to think about as well is you get out of, so you'd go to a weak division, but also get away from Patrick Mahomes. So I'm with you. I, I would say, look, if if the Patriots signed Amari Cooper, I would say it was the Patriots. To me, there's this kind of like, I need a star receiver again. I, I've had Gronk. I no longer have him. Julian Edelman is getting way older. Mm-hmm. And so like if they could pry, it almost feels to me like the domino isn't necessarily Brady, but it's like, where do these big time receivers go? And if none of them are going to go to the Patriots and Brady's going to be like, okay, well, what are you going to do? You're going to get me a, a guy in, in the draft? Yeah. Like, no, either you're trading your first round pick for someone that I want to play with, or I'm going somewhere else. To me, that's the weird thing there. Yeah, so what does this mean? What does this mean then downstream? Because like we and, and granted, like this is again, we we want to make sure that we don't overreact to one season's worth of play because at this time last season, you and I were writing an article basically saying 
you should be wary about giving Dak Prescott the bag, right? Mm-hmm. And you know he had a great season. He was in the regular season. He was second in WAR. I think he finished third after Mahomes leapfrogged him in the playoffs. And like, okay, how much of that is resulting? How much of that is looking at that offense and saying it's very difficult for you not to succeed when you have a good play caller. You play weak teams in a weak division. You had a weak schedule because not only did you play the NFC East, you played the AFC East. And, you know, you looking at that from from the perspective of, you know, Dallas, like, do you say, okay, you can either buy Dak at the top of the market or you can sort of make a move and sell him at the top of the market. But it becomes tricky because what what is the what is the what is the the path? The path is a franchise tag and a trade, right? The crazy thing about it, and I was looking at Dax, um, just his seasons, mm-hmm. season to season to season. Very good rookie year with a wonderful scheme and, and playmakers around him. Two not-so-great years, and then another basically top-ten season with a really great scheme and everything around him. And is that is that a roller coaster that you want to be on. Like, can you actually sustain, you probably can't sustain that environment. So are you paying a guy top five quarterback money to do that? Or are you going to say, Hey, I've offered you 33 million, which is like apparently what they offered him. And if not, then I'm going to explore the tag and trade where you said yourself, if I tag him and I trade him, am I going to recoup something that I can then make my environment more stable? And sign another guy. Well, and that's the tricky part. I mean, I think a lot of coaches, understandably, have so much confidence in their ability that they can they think that they can make Dak stably good every single year, and that's why, you know, that's that's why you know Cousins is a thing, right? That's why he's paid so much. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo's paid so much, right? And in many cases, they're correct, right? I think Shanahan's good enough to make Garoppolo uh, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback frequently, but if you're McCarthy and you think to yourself, okay, I had one of the best quarterbacks in league history in my lap for 2008 until 2017, 18, and we got worse as an offense from 2014 basically on, do I have the confidence in saying, okay, in a weird way, Dallas is sort of yo-yoing, right? They got very bad luck on the periphery, but they got very good circumstances for their quarterback. Like, do you just do you fade that and just say, okay, well, we have to start over with somebody I know is truly elite, however old he is. However, I, I think you have to go with that. And, and the reason is, so we think about risk, right? The McCarthy's probably worried about the risk of essentially, you know, in gambling terms, busting out here. Like, okay, I, I, I get Brady. He can't throw the ball anymore. I'm fired in two years. From his perspective, though, he his contract's guaranteed, right? And so, like... The, the, the kind of wussier play, I think, is to take on Dak and be like, okay, well, Dak's going to get me on the green for the next five years. It's like, you're the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't hire you to win the NFC East. They hired you to win the Super Bowl. So I think it does make a lot of sense for them to simply like shoot, for the, shoot the moon here. Because if you fail, you're, they're not firing you right away. You're, they, were, they had Jason Garrett for a decade. Would the Miami Dolphins give pick five for Dak Prescott? Uh... I don't know. I I think at least their second or their two first round picks. I and and I think if you're Dallas, you're content with that. Really? Yeah. Because well, because the other part of the Dak thing is if you franchise tag him with the intent to trade him, you will have already figured out your quarterback position for 2020, and that reduces his value a little bit. But okay, so that's a really good point, right? So if you tag if you tag Dak and you're going to trade him, then the question becomes: you sort of let your hand be shown. You say, yeah. okay, we're tagging him. We sign someone else, pending we haven't traded yeah. him yet. Everyone knows we're trading him, but he's valuable enough that he would be the most coveted, right. you know, quarterback technically on the market. And it doesn't matter that people know you want to trade him. If you can get two interested parties, right? That's just how auctions work. Right. And the, and the, who would the second team be? I know. Yeah. I mean, the, the Raiders, the Raiders, the, the, the bet you're making though is like, okay, the, I mean, it's, it's literally the Sam Bradford, Minnesota Vikings thing where, and Bradford's not the quarterback that Dak is, but like you, 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 you sign, let's say you sign Brady and you tag Dak and you're saying, okay, obviously it looks like we're going to trade Dak. And you, the, the chip that you have is you can hold on to him all the way until 
you know, at, until training camp. And the cool thing about this season, if you're if you're playing that, you know, taking that position, is that let's say a team signs Jameis Winston and he's absolute dog shit in training camp. Like they might hit the panic button and go, or Teddy Bridgewater. I have, I have one better, the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, there's so many teams that need a quarterback, and the question becomes, are those teams, like if you're, let's say that you're the Chargers and you're saying, okay, we have to choose between signing Jameis Winston to a $25 million per year deal. No. Yeah. Dak Dak and a one. Like we got to trade Dak, we got to trade, you know, 35 million, 40 million per year and a one for Dak. I do think that differential is something that teams would be in, teams would would think twice about just because they are risk averse to, to, to the point of like, for me, I'd rather take Jameis than give up a one and give up a one for Dak and a $40 million per year deal. But I think a lot of teams are risk averse enough to like say, okay, our Chargers roster is pretty good. Let's get Dak in the fold and pay for certainty. And, you know, hopefully reap the benefits of it. The real question is whether or not, if you're the Cowboys and you're trying to pull this off, if you could get Amari as well. So you have that cap hold with the franchise tag, and then you also have, I'm signing Brady to probably 30 million, right? Like two years, 60 or whatever. You can, you, they have like 77 million in cap space. I'm looking at it over the cap right now. Yeah. And what they could do is they could basically pay Brady slightly less year one. They could keep sort of twenty million free yeah. and use it to sign Amari Cooper, and then you also have you probably are letting Byron Jones go, and well, you're using a first round pick on a cornerback. You, you already, I mean, you already. That's the thing. You've already made the investments in Zeke and all that kind of stuff, so you have to sort of deal with that. But I do think if you gave Brady a two-year guaranteed deal, you could change the money around. Stay. And the other thing is we're all making these assumptions about the current CBA, which has that like 30% rule, which means you can't raise the salary. You can't right. significantly change the two cash payouts in the two years. But the. But I, I agree. So then you – even if you let Amari go as a, a function of this, you, you know that there's a big receiver draft that we'll talk about a little bit later, and that first-round pick that you get from whomever you trade him to can be used to acquire yeah. a wide receiver uh, as well I as a cornerback that you might lose. I don't think Tom Brady's going to say, hey, Dallas, I'll sign up without the stud receiver that I want to throw yeah, to. Yeah, but, but do you, don't you think, though, if you, look at their, if you look at their receiving core, I mean, at least Michael, Michael Gallup is, is 10 times better than anything that the New England Patriots have yes, currently. Yes, but they don't have a tight end. I mean, they, yeah. Well, neither do, the, neither do the Pats. That's the point, though. Yeah. But he wants to find that. It's not yeah. like, why would I go to someplace new if I can just get the same stuff at home? But do, right. But do you think he would... Do you think he would would sign up for something like this if he knew that that tra- that they'd also have to trade Dak. But then it's sort of it's this weird thing because like they're not going to let Dak go as a free agent. I don't think no. So, but then if they sign somebody like Brady, they're going to have to m- make assurances that like, look, you're going to have to give something up because we have to at least get something for Dak here. It's weird. I, I- I'm here for all of the bizarro world options. One I li- gave you one earlier and you did, rejected it offhand. Which one? Well, the guy that we're going to talk about next. Ryan Tannehill? Yeah. I, my thought on Ryan Tannehill is simply that I don't think people, anyone is that interested in him. It's an interesting thought. If you're if you're right, and I, I think there's a better than puncher's chance you are. Would you? No. But the, but the thing is, is we look at it differently, right? So we, he was we, our highest graded quarterback last year. But we look at... But we, we look at it and say, okay, scheme-dependent things like play action where the the production curve is not fu- is sensitive to how good the player is yep like we we're woke to that and if teams are i think it would be a pretty cool like evolution in the game because we've seen like how much better or worse is kirk cousins than ryan Tannehill? Uh, they're they're basically the same and we're only same. two off seasons removed from kirk cousins getting the highest deal in the history of the nfl fully guaranteed right so if we had two two years worth of, of evolution in the way we thought about the quarterback position, that would be a positive thing. Here's the thing that for Ryan Tannehill, so you look at his career arc, if you want to call it that. He had one top Isn't it ten, like a slide? Yeah, it's more of a yeah, it's more of a roller coaster to be honest. He he had one top ten season, that was in twenty fourteen, and then everything else has been pretty average to below average. Last season, he was the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL uh, on a limited sample size, obviously. Um, the season before that was an absolute disaster in Miami. And you talk about the, you know, the play-action stuff, all that. What I thought was really interesting was 
under pressure by far this career high at 98 passer rating, like 8.5 yards per attempt. This was crazy. His big-time throw rate was 11.3% under pressure, which is more than double the league average. And we know that's something that regresses pretty sharply, generally the mean. I mean, you can, you can almost think about outlier seasons and go straight to how did they play under pressure. Like Carson Palmer has this incredible season. Josh McCown. Incredible season. <laughs> yeah. Andy Dalton, incredible season. All of them are because they had plus 90 pass ratings under pressure. Like they were great under pressure. Um, and that's, I mean, just not going to bank on Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, no, I agree. I, so th- I think that makes the market, I honestly believe now, the quarterback market with all of these moving pieces is a little bit smaller than people think. You've got Jameis Winston, who we think is worth taking a shot on, but Let's be honest, there's some like issues there aside from just the play. You have Ryan Tannehill, Drew Brees already locked up. Yeah. Cam Newton is probably well, there's, there's there. There's two clusters, right? There's a cluster that Teddy. There's right. So I would say Bridgewater, Tannehill, Winston, like all those guys are in sort of a similar cluster. I don't know where does Rivers play in. I think Rivers but is Rivers, in that lower it, tier. So here's the thing about Rivers. To me, Rivers is like not Actually, I, I still don't get the Rivers to Tampa Bay thing. I believe that's all geographic. To me, there's no scheme fit there. Like Arians likes to throw the ball downfield, and that's just not Rivers' strength. So maybe I'm wrong there. Um, I would put Rivers in a tier above Tannehill, to be honest. Okay, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he's as available as people think. I think he he's basically. So it was, it was like when Brett Favre left the Packers, and. They they knew they knew that right. they knew that they knew he wanted to play for Minnesota, Detroit, or Chicago, and then they were like, okay, we're going to trade you to the Jets and put in that poison pill that if they then flip you to one of these teams, they have to give up four first rounders or some crap like that. I think Rivers is a a couple teams are bust, right? One of them being the Colts is the betting market favorite, or at least it was last week, like a, by far. Yeah, like a minus one seventy five. So I I think that that's where. You look at that and you say, okay, if those if those teams don't work out, he might just retire. I mean, a la Romo three years ago, remember there was Romo to Kansas City rumors, there was mm-hmm. Romo to Minnesota rumors, and, and then he just quit because the nothing interesting thing out. about Rivers is Rivers is a sneaky goes right to the booth and is on Monday Night Football next year because he could be. I mean, I think he would be pretty good, and he would probably take. You know, one of the two kids in the booth with them. It'd be like they'd have less. Do you think ESPN would have to adopt a, a PFF like, uh, you know, no children in, in the workplace sort of rule for, for Rivers? We don't in have case? that rule. <laughs> I, what's interesting is I don't know who the, the play-by-play guy would be, but I digress. Let's get into the mock. I want a mock. Mock. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. We're going to read off. By the way, you can go to pff.com and you can read it and all of the. I would say go there and read the methodology. We talked about it on last week's pod, uh, so you can you can check it out there. But it shouldn't be too foreign to you guys what we're looking at. There's obvious value for what your job is in the NFL, and then we're using our college-to-pro projections that are based on the fact that we grade every single player and every play and every yeah. game in college. So with that being said, we're going to go five picks at a time, and we're going to spend a couple minutes on like the biggest questions in each of those those sets. So picks one through five. We did no trades. So Bengals take Burrow. The Redskins take Tua. The Lions take Okuda. The Giants take Henry Ruggs the third, and the Miami Dolphins take Chase Young. I would say that maybe a couple weeks ago the bigger thing here would be Tua at two, but as we stand here, I think the hottest part of this first five is Henry Ruggs going at four. I mean, Giants. Jeffrey Akuda to the Lions is another one where I don't think I think people I think people he's ex- been mocked there a few different places. Yeah, but after Chase Young is taken in one of the first two True. picks, so I think people believe that Chase Young should be the first defender off the board, and so Akuda going there is sort of like what we talked about when we wrote you know our, our preview on him, which is basically he's the best cornerback in the draft. Positional value is so high. Detroit really stunk there, and Detroit hasn't. Detroit just signed Trey Flowers to a big deal, and were fundamentally incapable of getting anything out of him, like from a scheme perspective. And so right. Chase Young would not be as valuable to them as he would be to maybe another team. Um, but yes, the Henry Ruggs one. I mean, if you're in New York, 
Like, you do not move the needle unless your quarterback is good. And your quarterback is going to have a far more difficult time being good if you don't surround him with talent. Look at what Tom Brady is currently looking for. He's looking for a receiver that can get open. Oh, I thought he was looking to go somewhere where they have top edge talent. Yes. That's what he's looking for where Chase Young lands <laughs> and he's heading there. That's why the Bears are so uh, enticing to him because yeah. he wants to play with Khalil Mack. The, the thing with Henry Ruggs, and this was super interesting. So, our projections like Henry Ruggs more than Jerry Judy. And there are a couple of interesting things that I, that I thought were noteworthy in, in researching some of this. Henry Ruggs played out wide. You know, Jerry Judy ran a ton of routes from the slot. And in the NFL, what we know is that if you have done something in college, then the best way to project you in the NFL is for you to do that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to put Jerry Judy in the slot a ton, he doesn't accrue as much value as a guy that's winning from the outside. It's just way easier to scheme stuff out of the slot. So I thought that was very interesting. And then there's also the whole athleticism piece, which is, Henry Ruggs just flies down the field, and that's something that you cannot. And he is big enough, for. I think, to be a good NFL wide receiver. You know, he doesn't. You don't need to be, you know, Randy Moss size, I think, anymore to make contested catches. You don't need to be uh, Anquan Bolden size to get yards after the catch. the The key part about football in the NFL is getting open. Like everything else is secondary to getting open. And Ruggs just displays a knack for getting open. And, that, and, and again, Daniel Jones, like, you want to figure out things about quarterbacks. And so if you got a guy, if you got a bunch of receivers that have to make contested catches for you to be successful, we know that, like, throws into tight windows yeah, are unstable just, season to season. So you're, even if he has a good year throwing contested catches, great. we know less about him the next year. What we want to have, you know, see from Daniel Jones is how he performs when players are open because that's the most stable sort of environment for, for quarterbacks. And I think, you know, uh, Ruggs gives you an opportunity here uh, to, to find that out. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just makes sense. And the thing is, is, you know, you have plenty of time, and, and there's, this isn't a – you have plenty of time to get edge players either in free agency or the draft. And, and if your defense stinks, like look at, look at Arizona last year. Arizona increased from a two-win team and the number one overall pick to a five-win team in probably the toughest division in football. And they didn't get better defensively. They, like got, you know, they got much worse, and it was just because their, their quarterback developed to a point where you know, now, now you can start answering secondary questions. The Giants still aren't even answering the, the primary questions yet. That, that pick is going to get a lot of heat, has gotten a lot of heat already from people who think it's ridiculous. But there are two kinds of ridiculous. There's, I can't believe you took a receiver over Chase Young, which if you watch the game of football, hopefully you have recognized that as great as pass rushers can be, it's secondary to being able to throw and catch the football. Um, but also that he went above Jerry Judy, who is kind of everyone's consensus mm-hmm. number one pick. And I don't think this isn't a dig on Judy. I, I, I think that he, his, his projection was fine. It's just, it, it's, you know, we, we just went with the better, we went with the slightly better projection. And the thing we talked about last week, which is, you know, you look at college production, it's usually a huge deal. Like if you are, if you're not able to generate targets in a school like Old Miss, or you're not able to generate targets at Mississippi State or Minnesota, that's a problem. If you don't get a lot of targets at Alabama, it could be a a big function of the fact that you have four receivers that are just as good as you are and and a good quarterback that's not going to lock down on his number one guy. Right. That's what you know, that's why the Chiefs got great value with McCole Hardman. And, you know, because he played for a team that had a ton of wide receivers and he was the third or fourth guy. But he had you know, he looked good in our grading system. That's why the grading system is valuable. I think the same thing's true here with rugs. Absolutely. All right, so 6 through 10. The Chargers take Wurfs, Tristan Wurfs, offensive tackle, Iowa. The Panthers take defensive playmaker, Isaiah Simmons. The Cardinals take Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama. The Jaguars take offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And the Cleveland Browns take Josh Jones, offensive tackle from Houston. I, I had a little bit of trouble deciding what I thought the most interesting part of this group of five picks was. But one of them was certainly that Josh Jones went this high. Mm -hmm. I think one of my big questions coming away from this is, is that, is that? Well, I think this was just one where our, you know, our draft analysts really like this player and our projections really like this player. And Cleveland 
is Cleveland's one of those teams that's not a wide receiver away from being good offensively. Um, and in fact, you know, what Stefanski likes to do is more of a, you know, 12 and 21 personnel type of situation. Cleveland really struggled protecting Mayfield. And I think Mayfield's very much a player, despite being taken number one, who could go either way as a function of support. So this was a good pick, I think. And, and it was one of those where, again, it, it just coincided with some of, you know, our, our, the folks, you know, that we trust who watch the, you know, the tape and everything liked him and our projection system liked him. Yeah, that's the grading component right yeah, yeah. i mean he, he but was they, me- they mesh well because the thing about so we had the a second highest graded uh offensive tackle in the yeah. fbs and so. after and after you adjust for certain things he's still high there i mean it, it the issue the issue is always when you watch this film it's difficult to contextualize it because he plays for houston which is not a power five so we have to do mathematical things to adjust for that and even after that he was he did fine i mean and that and that's the and that's the why you add the math with the with the film and the grades because you get I think a better projection that way because obviously it's this isn't the NFL that you know context matters from who you play and it's and it's not a it's not a second order thing it's a first order thing. I also think it'd be interesting if the Cardinals get to eight and Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are both there or Henry Ruggs and C.D. Lamb are both there. What would they end up doing because? CeeDee Lamb and Kyler Murray played together, that whole Oklahoma thing. But to me, there's a distinct, and our projections back this up, there's a distinct difference between Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and then CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Um, and But again, th- this is a situation where you get Kyler, uh, some weapons. Um, yeah, obviously, offensive tackle could be a position here, but but we sort of leaned on the, you know, sort of you go wide receiver first. And once you have that resolved, then you go tackle. Yeah. It's great if your pass protection is perfect, but if no one's open, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. you got to get rid of the ball. And the Andy Isabella was fine as a rookie, didn't get a lot of targets. And it's a guy that lines up out wide. Like, yeah. Judy fits nicely in there. You've got, you know, an aging uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I think Kingsbury takes advantage of it. Yep. Okay. 11 through 15, the Jets take C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. The Las Vegas, we had Oak in yeah, there. Yeah, we had Oak. And we had to change I to LV. When we, when we saw the Raiders at the combine, I said, you're still Oak to me. <laughs> uh, they take Christian Fulton, cornerback, uh, LSU. The Colts, this was a very interesting one, take LaVishka Chenault, wide receiver, Colorado. The Bucks take safety out of LSU, Grant Delpit. And then the Denver Broncos take Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. I thought one of the more interesting things here was looking at what the Raiders do and looking at what these teams do that have multiple picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Raiders and you go, okay, they really need a wide receiver. But they also could really use someone that can cover. That would be super helpful. And you go, okay, well, which one am I going to have more of a depreciation at 19, the corners or the wide receivers? And at this point, with the three best wide receivers gone, Fulton made the most sense. Yeah. Um, and and they, they took their draft last year, didn't do a whole lot with it, unfortunately, right? I mean, they... <laughs> they took a running back at 24 they took a box safety and, yeah but he was great and 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 you know raiders fans will be quick to tell you that uh the 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 defensive end they took it in the fourth round is is good so it, it makes up for right the, right makes sense it makes up for the one that was not as good at four yeah um but i think this this does help them um they as we talked about last week in the article about depth though the the key thing here is when you take a corner you're not done you have to take you know many of them, and it's also why. So people are going to give us flack for this, right? And, and especially for wide receiver, but I think it, it rings true at corner and safety. People are saying, well, you know, why you're taking the seventh best cornerback? Isn't that too high? Or you're taking, and it's like no, because by the time you get to round four and you're actually looking for depth, the smart teams will pick those players off, taking them. And, and it's it, it actually like from our research, it makes more sense to take. It makes more sense to pick off a guy who's you know, maybe not a star potential, but can add, you know, be the third or fourth guy so that when somebody does get their 90th percentile, they hit on that sort of like high end thing, then you have also support for that. Right. And, and, yep. um, and that's why, you know, if Fulton only ends up being a number two or number three corner, it's still going to add value to the Raiders. Justin Jefferson, a guy that um, our projections really liked. Yeah. He, He's uh, an interesting guy, kind of a polarizing guy. 16 through 20, the Falcons take cornerback from Alabama, Trevon Diggs. Uh, the Cowboys take Antoine Winfield Jr., safety. 
the Dolphins take C.J. Henderson cornerback. The Raiders come back around to get Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU. And then uh, the Jaguars take Hunter Bryant, tight end from Washington. Uh, our Falcons go cornerback here. We get to pick for them, which means that because we wanted them to take a cornerback, they are going to take they're going to take Chase on. They're going to take some edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, I can just feel it, can't you? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You got to think about this, though. I mean, over the years, the Falcons have learned a lot of things, haven't they? True. So they, well, they I would hope they drafted toughness in the first round last year with two offensive linemen. Yep, that and, worked out. Really and well. saw how that they got injured though. Well, that's all, but that's the point, though, right? Like the Falcon, the whole Falcons thing has been a bad beat. You, you take Deion Jones, and by all, by all measurements, he's a pretty good linebacker, but he can't stay healthy for some of those years. And the year he does stay healthy, Keanu Neal's hurt. Yeah. The year that Keanu Neal's healthy, uh, Ricardo Allen's hurt. Or, you know, Brian Poole forgets how to play. He goes in place with the Jets. He's, pretty, he's decent last year. Robert Alford's good during the Super Bowl year, trash sense. And, and uh, uh, Desmond Trufant's kind of like up and down, right? Yeah. And when you don't have – and granted, they've done um, – Isaiah Oliver's a, a player they drafted. They, it, Demonte KZ's been a okay, but they they just miss the the weakest link has always been poor for the Falcons, and I think that taking you know a lot of cornerbacks early and often would go a long way towards helping them be a better defense because they they just simply are not they're not stable like with I respect to changes. Also, the Raiders end up with Christian Fulton and Jalen Rager in this draft, which I think is really solid. And the Dolphins, so far, with Chase Young and C.J. Henderson. 21 Dolphins, through, the lowest war of any defense last season by a country It mile. was a joke how bad they were. And, and it's crazy how you know, we get a lot of flack for our replacement-level team being 3-13. and 13. The Dolphins are 5-11 and 11 despite having literally a replacement-level defense for most of the season. And um, they, I think they stock up here a little bit. 21 through 25, Philly takes Denzel Mims, wide receiver Baylor. The Buffalo Bills take Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle Boise State, who skyrocketed up the uh, draft boards after the combine. The Good Patriots, luck with this one. The Patriots, oh, I didn't even think about this. <laughs> uh, the Patriots take tight end Albert Okubanam. Uh, of Mizzou. definitely wrong. Tight end from Mizzou. I should have thought about that Abuk Cam. <laughs> Okubununam. Yeah. And that was worse. I think the first one was better. My, and, and my tact event. is always just to say yeah. it quickly. Look, uh, they, when they, you know, Aaron Hernandez was easy to pronounce and it didn't work out very well. So sort of flip this up. At 24, <laughs> the Saints take Chase Claypool, wide receiver Notre Dame. <laughs> and at 25, your Minnesota Vikings take Ashton Davis, free safety from California. So the big uh, thing that I thought was interesting about this was we spent a pretty decent amount of time thinking about the Patriots do. And tight end made a ton of sense. Albert, as I'll call him, six five guy, ran four four nine. Seems like and did it looked really nicely, uh, really nice in our projections. Seems like a guy that no one's really talking about. It's perfect for the Patriots and fits a huge need for them. Think about it, they signed Amari Cooper or if they get AJ Green, they get this big tight end. Brady stays. What a beautiful world it would be. Yeah, and you know when we talk about the two tight ends that were taken in this draft, Hunter Bryant was a guy who, when we look at like types, he he was more of a high catch rate, relatively low yards per yards yes. per catch guy, which I think is pretty good for an offense that's probably going to have Gardner Minshew as the quarterback. Yep. I was going to say I actually think the Patriots, you know, if we were doing this and the Patriots had the Jaguars pick, they would have still taken. Albert over Hunter because of what they're looking to replace. Because you're looking, because he was more of a yards per catch, a little bit lower catch. Obviously, these things yo-yo, right? Um, and 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 yeah, and I think when you look at the Patriots, let's say Brady doesn't return, you, you're probably there's a better chance than not that they're going to have a down the field quarterback in his stead, knowing what they know, which is that everything else being equal, an aggressive quarterback is better than a than a not aggressive quarterback. So having a tight end that could stretch to the field would be better. If if Brady does return, the Gronk's biggest thing was, aside from his red zone prowess, was being able to get down the field. You know, right. in terms of a no, he was their best deep, he was their best deep threat. And and so I think that, you know, just having a tight end that's able to take safeties and run them off is a is a, is something that not a lot of offenses have, and when they do have it, it it's pretty valuable. You look at the Saints, why they're so efficient underneath this, because Jared Cook has the speed to sort of run, you know, safeties backwards, and and you know Albert could could really help the Patriots in this in this light. We committed hardcore to Albert. 
26 through 30. Uh, we'll save 31 and 32 for, for last. 26 through 30. Uh, Jeff Gladney goes to Miami, cornerback TCU. 27, the Seahawks take Cameron Dantzler, who's so slow. He might be slower than me, apparently, but not worried about it. Uh, 28, the Baltimore Ravens take Curtis Weaver, edge from Boise State. 29, the Titans take Jack Driscoll, offensive tackle Auburn. And at 30, the Packers take Matt Pert, offensive tackle from UConn. So the big, otherwise known as Neil. Neil Pert. The real big question here, and we got a lot of feedback on this, which is like, where the heck is Jedrick Wills? And it was a really, it was really hotly debated between us. Our projections liked both Driscoll and Pert far better than wills it wasn't like that close i think if it was very close we would have gone with a guy that's much higher on you know draft boards of everyone else because conventional wisdom does have something to say here but um i mean that's that's what we were doing with this mock draft and so we had to stay stay faithful yeah i mean i think and and again i don't i don't watch the film nearly as much as mike and austin do but you know what we do is try to uh, regress for sort of what the guy's asked to do and after you do that the Driscolls and the Perts like their per play efficiency much like when I wrote the articles about true pass sets and true uh true pass rushing sets it's sort of like that ilk is like you got to look at okay well okay throw out screens throw out rollouts throw out play action and you know sometimes sometimes players who grade better in our system which is again is agnostic to situation they flip a little bit when you when you take into consideration uh, uh, scheme and, and and context. So um, I you know th- this is a fun one. I obviously Tennessee fills a need at tackle. Green Bay fills a need at tackle. Both of their right tackles. There's a chance that they might leave uh, via free agency. Baltimore. Baltimore was a weird one. We struggled with this one. Yeah, because they're not a team. I mean, they don't their, have they don't have a ton of needs. For right? their credit, doesn't have a lot of needs and. And you know, we would have – here's the thing. We wanted to give them a wide receiver. We wanted to take a wide receiver. We'd already taken nine wide receivers yeah. at this point and decided that actually the, the there wasn't one that was good enough, and they ended up going yeah, – They're, they're probably in a situation where free agency actually helps. So free agency is rarely the place where you win. But if you are a player away and a type of player away – like I can see the Ravens signing a wide receiver – like. When the Rams signed Robert Woods, it was kind of like, oh, hmm, like, okay, he hadn't been all that productive in Buffalo. That's a great point. But but he was like, oh, when Robbie Anderson signs with the Ravens, yes. then all of a sudden they won't be looking to draft someone. Exactly, but it could even be a little bit lower tier. It's one of those where he's going to get better money than you expect, but he's going to be better than you. Ex- he's going to exceed that much like Woods has because you know the the Ravens are smart. They go through and they say, okay. They're probably looking at you know passing maps, much like Timo's, and be like, this guy fits in our offense, and this is exactly what we missed when we had Seth Roberts playing all these snaps. So they put somebody in there in free agency because they're a team where their additions, their additions, you want to you want to control for mean, not variance, because everything else on their team is pretty good. So you want to fill in guys that you know you you sacrifice some high end ability for the average. And I think that's where free agency actually does help you. You pay for it, but the, what's cool about the Ravens is they've hit on so many draft picks and players that you know have come in that they have the cap space and the, and the wherewithal to be able to do that, at least in one or two positions. At 31, the San Francisco 49ers took Tyler Johnson. I tried to give you guys a guard. I know. You really wanted us to take uh, Mr. Mooty here, yeah. strong as a moose yeah, yeah. Uh, guard, and I thoroughly rejected that. And so that's why we ended up with Tyler Johnson, who is a guy who there's probably a little bit of value here because he was incredibly productive at the college level. Something that, um, you know, that often gets thrown behind how athletic they are. And he didn't Mm -hmm. test the combine, Um, but someone that our projections did like. And then Davion Taylor goes to Kansas City, linebacker, Colorado. This actually might be my favorite pick of the whole the whole draft because it it really it's a it's a solid pick. He's a yeah. great coverage linebacker out of Colorado. It's one that not a lot of people have talked about. It's a huge need for the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're in a place where they can you know, they can select that. They don't have to take shots at a quarterback or something like that. Yeah, they might be so they might be in a position where this is one of two first round picks if they're able to trade Chris Jones for yep. a back half of the first round pick. Um even though we wouldn't endorse that because we obviously have no defensive interiors in the first round yes. of this draft. Which is, which is what we should talk about. We took – let me – so here's 
You interrupted me when I was talking about my Chiefs, but but you already ascribed the Vikings to me today. It was sort of a flip of the coin, I guess. I'm trying to make sure that we get done in a timely fashion, and I can't imagine that more Chiefs talk is what's needed. Right, right. true, true, true. We already have we have Mahomes behind you, and you're wearing a Chiefs shirt behind. Oh yeah, on the picture Look at that. there. So no, but I, what I wanted to bring up is exactly what you said, which is look at who we picked. We took two quarterbacks, first and second, no others. We took 10 wide receivers, six cornerbacks, six offensive tackles, two tight ends, a linebacker, an edge defender, three safeties, and one defensive hybrid player. I would even say that Darion, yeah, the, the, the guy the Chiefs picked in the last uh, pick, is also in that Isaiah Simmons, Davion, Davion Taylor, yeah, is in that sort of— So no linebackers. I no like linebackers. that way better. Yeah. He's, he, could, I mean, he moves like a safety, so it's sort of like one of those where he'll probably play linebacker like Simmons does, but he's not yep. a linebacker linebacker. Players that we did not select, Derek Brown, Jedrick Wills, Herbert, and Love. No Javon Love. Kinlaw. Uh, Javon Kinlaw and Makai Becton. And all those guys just did not look uh, first-round worthy in our projections. Derek Brown plays a position and is run, a run-stuffing guy that's just not something that's valuable in the NFL, so we're not going to pick them. We've talked about the quarterbacks ad nauseum, how they're just they're not good enough. You know, Taking flyers on a quarterback does not necessarily mean that you are selecting them in the first round. Yeah. And that's how we ended and up that, where we did. And that's the thing. We talked about this, I think, a little bit at length. But, you know, we just don't have – so if if we don't consider a guy a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, then the whole trading up for a quarterback thing doesn't work because the guy's going to give you zero wins above replacement by sitting on the bench. And, like, okay, it, if that's the case, then, like, you have to take a bigger shot on him. If the majority, of, in our opinion, of probabilities can land on never plays, right? Yep. Then, then that's only worth doing in a situation like the second, third, or fourth round. Much like Drew Locke. We were very lukewarm on Drew Locke last year. He's taken in the second round by Denver. I'm perfectly fine with this. Yep. And if you're a team, you know, if you're Tampa Bay or Indianapolis or you like Jordan Love and you trade back and you take him with a, a pick that you didn't have prior to the draft in the second round, then I'm not going to give you a whole lot of crap, right? But if you take him at pick... 12 or 13 I'm going to I'm going to really wonder because again like I mean Jordan Love was an average quarterback in the F, in the FBS last year and I and, and I think it's just it's tricky what, to, that's not enough for you I mean that's if you're it, like in the NFL you're constantly asked to overcome things and and the and everybody that wants to make a case for Jordan Love or Justin Herbert is is saying yeah he had so much to overcome at the college level and if you can't overcome noise or perturbations or uncertainty at the college level like you're gonna no, it's will- gonna be different when he gets in my quarterback room right under exactly. my tutelage that's right yep. yes that's the important thing to remember i just think it's really cool that we selected um throughout the entirety of our mock we did not waver from what we believe in it was very easy here was my big takeaway from doing this mock draft it's very easy to sit there at like pick 17 like you know what what if I just took a guy that everyone's kind of mocking in this range? It's like, no, like that's how you lose. Have some original thoughts, mm-hmm. actually stake some value in the mathematical modeling that we spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours developing and making sure is solid and robust and then go with it. You mm-hmm. don't. The, here's the big takeaway. You don't know. Your eyes are not some beautiful, you know, unforeseen talent that no one can account for uh, you are the you are the rule especially i mean i'm different if you are thinking about the draft you are the rule and i mean the only the only teams that we talk about the ravens talk about the chiefs talk about some teams the niners i think are in this realm as well the teams that can afford to make mistakes are teams that have either gotten lucky or have been good recently if you are not lucky or good like you are not an exciting, like you cannot make mistakes. And even these teams, I even think, you know, the, the Ravens and the Niners and the Chiefs and teams like that could make mistakes that would hurt their chances of winning the Super Bowl in this draft. Oh, so, so, so go with, give yourself the highest probability. And uh, especially if you're a team in that sort of extinction basin, if you're like trying extinction to get from basin. three wins to seven or Woo! eight, if you're trying to get from three wins the to seven or eight, basin. like you got to find three. And the only way, and again, this speaks to the the entanglement in football. The only way that you can get from three to seven wins, short of luck, 
is to get a quarterback or to get people that help the quarterback. That's it. And the, and and so when people are upset about the lack of Chase Young or people are upset about the lack of interior players, you're uh, upset about a guard at 31, no guards at 31 or something like that. It's that they don't they don't get that like the you're not getting from th- getting for three to four wins is meaningless. Like no one no one knows that the Raiders went from what th- four wins to seven last year. No one knows. No, no, no one, one cares. cares. Okay, that was our mock draft. You can go check it out on pff.com. Um, we're, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to a minute to talk about. Oh, if you're going to do that, it's not even worth it. The XFL. Well, I say that because I know you're going over. But you, you, you told me that you are, quote, seeing <laughs> things clearly. You are seeing the XFL clearly. I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever heard. I should also mention that uh, Super Contest, you can sign up. Okay. I would recommend going to footballcontest.com. Is there an XFL Super Contest? I don't think so, but I just thought from a betting perspective I'd yeah, throw yeah. that out there. Like yep. you, If you're trying to plan a Vegas trip, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the XFL has been really interesting in the sense that it's a cool – It's it, the betting markets are, are – <laughs> he looks down at his clock – is an interesting exercise in overreaction. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, there, there, there was a team in the XFL this weekend that was favored by two touchdowns against another team after the league itself has had 16 games. True. I did, I did see that line. Yeah. And, like, I teased two of the I – te- I got two, like, 20-point – like, I teased one, te- one team out to plus 19 and another team out to plus 14 in a league where we know barely anything, right? There, were, there, was, a, there was a game where – so we, we, my friend and I went to the casino yesterday. There was a game that got bet all the way up to five and a half. From like two and a half. How much information is there in a week of XFL information that that is worth three points in a line movement? You know what I'm saying? I so, agree. So like this, we we try to beat the NFL, and that's really difficult because there's a ton of information. There's yep. history. But in, it's actually in this, fun. In, yeah, but in this in this realm, it's really just fading over reaction, and it's pretty easy to. I watched like three plays on accident. Of the XFL, and you you made sure to let me know because uh, I was sweating that game out. It's like I can't believe I games on my TV. I better change the channel. I did. Uh, I had a successful betting weekend though, and well, I let you in on it. Yes, that's true. You, um, I, I should probably pay you a fee or something because yes. you came to me on Friday and you said, "Look, I think the Lakers should be five point favorites against the Bucks," and. And then I, I was like, okay, so I went and placed a bet. And the the thing is, I had work to do, so I'm like, okay, I'll just put this dumbass basketball game on the background. It wasn't bad. It was two of the best teams. It was actually league. a good game, yeah. And of course, the Lakers like get out and lo- trail by double digits early, and oh, then I capitalized on that <laughs> as well. And and then uh, and then, well, see, I don't have the intuition about the NBA, so I have no idea if it's just oh, this is a bad bet, or if this is just noise. So I just let it ride, and of course. I think the Lakers won by about 10, right? Yeah. The interesting thing about... And Giannis got injured, and you didn't play the subsequent game, so it was kind of rough for the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Whenever you have two superstars versus one, I think it's a little it's a little fraudulent that uh, the two superstars are not favored at home. Anyways, uh, I have two stories from the, from the Cincy Y. Nice. Okay, so I'm preparing. I, I, I saved my workout till after the pod today, so I'm going right now. Oh. So you're prepping me I'm for... St- I haven't eaten lunch yet, and I'm dying. So I'll get these over with. I have two stories. The first is, remember how I talked about the guy that rode this, the sitting, the lounge bike? I don't know what we want to call this. The tour de lounge. You know, you're just sitting there with a backrest. He was in there again this morning. He was on the, the lounge bike for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. I checked the calorie count. We didn't even break 50, guys. We didn't even hit 50 calories burned. He then he then went over, got a yoga mat out, and did like three minutes of abs. It was I was fucking dying. It was How, so is, funny. What is 50 calories? Is that like three stalks of celery? Like what is that? Let me put it this way: If I walked to work, I would burn like 150 calories. Yeah, yeah. Like wow. ex- it's a joke, man. Like I'm gonna burn 50 calories walking to the Y just to get in my. Too incredible. The second one is, I walked into the Cincy Y today at eleven thirty, and uh, there is a guy. He is large. He's sitting down. His upper half is naked on the couches. I can't believe they have couches in the locker room. Okay, he's sitting there. So I walk in, and the first thing I see is, okay, this guy's fat, and he doesn't have a top on. Great. I look down 
I'm moving away from the mic. I look down to like check my phone, and then I realize that the towel he's got is just totally splayed open. <laughs> I, I'd never seen a micro penis before, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude! It was scarring. It was legitimately scarring. I can't. I couldn't believe what I thought I saw. Maybe it's just that I I looked away so quickly. But please just fucking wear two towels, wrap the towels around you, get a bathrobe. I don't care. There's also the like the What's mo- the point? There's the move you can make where it's there it's there you legitimately can like do the whole thing of like putting your underwear on while the towel like in one like movement that like actually like you know, yeah, there was no underwear to be found. Spares people from having to see underwear like, was in a different area code. What I like about guy. the PFF forecast is so here's the thing. So we talk about a mock draft where we're breaking down barriers. Everybody and their mom says, "Why can't we draft wide receivers, corner safeties, left tackles, and uh, and covers linebackers with all 32 picks?" We break ground. We do it. Everybody's sitting here and saying, "Why does being at a you know, YMCA locker room have to be so horrible, but I can't talk about it. We're, talking, we're talking about, about it. it. We're yeah. breaking ground over here. It was, I, I honestly felt queasy and weird for the next probably two minutes at walking through the, the locker room. It was strange. Wow. So, so those are my stories. Anyways, uh, we'll be back on Thursday. We're getting ready for free agency. There's a chance I'm doing this from Vegas, by the way. Uh, just don't do this to me. It's not like I'll be enjoying myself at a sports can you, can book you, or something. Can you like bet on some XFL I'm while you're gonna, there? I'm, yeah, I wish. Yeah, I'm not even going to be doing that. Anyways, uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Thank you guys for listening. Peace out. Mm-hmm.